the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko completes the message we started here yesterday entitled The Politics of Persecution. Now, we hope that you enjoy it. If you do miss any portion of this broadcast, it's available under the broadcast schedule on the main page of ReachingYourHeart.com. And if you have any questions, you can go to that website at any time. Again, today's broadcast, The Politics of Persecution. We hope that you enjoy it. Stay with me for just a few seconds afterwards. I have some other important information to pass along. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Believers who were loyal to Jesus were considered no longer as faithful Jews, and so they were removed from the Jewish synagogue culture by force. And the power of the state was utilized to further make it effective. Two verses illustrate the fulfillment of Jesus' words. Turn with me to Acts 8, verse 1. Acts 8, 1. And Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. And on that day, what does it say? A great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now go down to Acts 13.50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said they'll put you out of the synagogues. And it didn't take long, and that was happening right there in the first centuries. Uh, first century. The Greek name for church in, in the original language of the New Testament is called the called out ones because the church of Jesus Christ is intrinsically a place where people gather who have been called out from the world. And there are religions out there and there are churches out there that are, that are not part of Christ's kingdom because they are, they are absolutely in sync with the world and not in sync with the Lord. In John 16, 2, Jesus said, The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. Now, if you think that was something just for the early church, no, it's not. That is something that we will see soon at the very end of time. And Christ is quick to add that they will do this because they don't know me or the Father. Friend, God does not motivate people to be converted by scaring them into the baptistry of the church by force of arms. He doesn't convert people with a sword or a whip or threats of hellfire. Have you ever heard a good hellfire sermon? Anybody here? You have? I have never heard a good hellfire sermon that uses fear to motivate people to be saved. Can you scare someone into the kingdom of God? No. You can only scare someone into the church, maybe. You might scare them, but that doesn't convert someone. Friend, God's kingdom is based on love and God desires the service of love in the church because God is love. He doesn't want anyone to worship Him because of any other motive than love. And love cannot be commanded. It must be freely given. It's a privilege to be baptized as a Christian into the church. Am I right? Yes. 
Why? Because Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible, how does it go? Tells me so, and the cross proves it. That's why a person is baptized. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Buried with Him in baptism means His death has become my life. Friend, raised with Him in baptism means His resurrection has become my hope. And I can have a new life and I can be raised from the dead for Him unto eternal life because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's worth giving up the world to have the riches of God that are found only in Jesus. Isn't it? Am I right? It's worth surrendering to have Him. Isn't it? If, if someone has to pressure you to be baptized, then you don't need to be baptized until you're willing to give up your sin. Unless you're converted, why get baptized? You must want His life more than your life. And that is when you're ready to enter the waters of baptism. Jesus takes you where you're at, but He doesn't leave you there. He gives you a new life without condemnation as His life in you. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now, what does it say? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, I don't like being condemned. Do you? I don't want God's condemnation. I like the scowls from other people. Do you realize in Jesus, you are not condemned. You are not the object of shame as far as God is concerned. The universe looks at you as if you are as clean and as righteous as the Lord Jesus Himself. What a great gift. Friend, God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you, to condemn the world, or to condemn your enemy, but to save the world. Christ was the messenger of the covenant. And as the great messenger of the covenant, He came into this world with the message of God's mercy. John three seventeen, For God sent the Son into the world. And then He says this, Not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Verse 47 of John 12, If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. People who condemn others and force them to believe by persecution don't know God or Jesus at all. And Christ says that believers would come to the point where they would try to kill you because they think that they are doing a service for God. Now this week we saw it in the international news that ISIS has targeted the Pope of Rome. Are you aware of that? It's true. Now, the papacy is playing it down. No religion has a right to strike out against the leader of another because it thinks it has the right to kill that person in the name of God. Period. We should pray for Francis in this regard. He has a right for mercy like any other person in the world has a right for mercy. Am I correct? And so we see hatred in the Middle East right now. It's really something. The whole world is retooling Western civilization based on what we're observing. And Jesus says that believers would come to the point where they would try to kill you because they think they're doing a service for God. It's possible for Christians to do exactly the same thing that we see ISIS doing. The Bible predicts that well-meaning Christians in the future will persecute other Christians to force them to accept the truth as they see it. And they will manipulate, like ISIS has done, the power of political arms and the force of arms to make the state do it. The mark of the beast that is coming upon the world is over worship. And atheism is not about worship. The mark of the beast is not about an atheistic test at the end of time. 
It's about unbelief. It's an attack upon the core of the Christian faith, the core of the Bible's teachings. And you have to have some measure of faith to force people to worship your way. And that's what the mark of the beast test is. It's not the true faith, but it's a faith that acts like it is that causes people to die. Revelation 13, 11. Then I saw another beast which rose out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. Based on Daniel 7.23, a beast is a kingdom. The beast of Revelation 13.1-10 is the biggest and the baddest beast of all. <clears throat> and Revelation 11.15 says the world itself is a kingdom. It calls it the kingdom of the world. The Antichrist is the head of a world kingdom system because the world always tries to take the place of Jesus Christ in your life. The Antichrist is against Christ. The word anti can mean instead of Christ. The big bad beast is followed by a lamb-like beast at the end of time that acts like the big bad beast because it's a global superpower too, but it's not the big bad beast. It's the false prophet, according to the book of Revelation, that leads the world back to the big bad beast. And this second beast is a lamb-like beast. So what's happening? The Bible predicts that a superpower would arise at the end of time and that it would help the nations of the earth by persecution to form a global union to persecute God's people. And so this lamb-like beast is like John the Baptist. It leads the way to prepare the world for that fusion. Unlike the first beast, it has no crowns on its horns because it has no monarchy in its history. It was founded on lamb-like Christian principles of tolerance, of freedom, respect for property and liberty. In God we trust is something the lamb-like beast would say because it's in the character of a lamb-like Christian king to speak this way. But eventually this lamb-like beast that has no king, which was conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that all men are created equal, will speak like a dragon and persecute people just like the big bad beast did. And it will do what happened in Jesus' day. It moves from a Christian phase to a dragon phase. It speaks as a lamb, and then it speaks as a dragon. Friend, the day of the dragon is coming to the United States of America. If you think that we're free from what you're seeing in the Middle East for long, you're wrong. Bible prophecy predicts that what we are seeing around the world will come to freedom's shore, and one day there will be blood on the stars and stripes. Revelation 13, 12. It makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. I mean, it's about worship. This notion that end time events is about anything other than the big things of the Bible, the important things of God's word, is a fallacy. It's about worship. It will force a false form of worship. The Bible teaches that one day the United States of America will do what ISIS is doing. It will force people to worship the world kingdom beast that is coming into existence. It will force the inhabitants of the earth to break the law of God and to deny Jesus Christ in the most real kind of terms. Worship or die will come to the United States of America and there will be blood on the stars and stripes. Revelation 13, 13, it works great signs, even making fire come down to heaven to earth in the sight of men. And by the signs which it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, bidding them. That means commanding them, making them. Make an image for the beast which was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast 
so that the image of the beast should even speak and to cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. It will try one day to force people to worship by controlling them economically, by forcing them to not buy or sell unless they comply with the state's demands to obey the law of the state instead of the law of God. Now, I I would have never thought that was possible in my lifetime until recent years. Since 9-11, anything is possible in this country. For the first time in United States history, our country has moved a little bit this way by forcing people to buy something and penalizing them if they refuse, even if it's for a good thing. We are no longer a free market republic as we used to be. Every aspect of the economy is scrutinized by computers here and there so the all-seeing eye can tell what you're doing and get you in trouble if necessary to make you comply. Friend, one day there will be blood on the stars and stripes and freedom will be found no more on freedom's shore. Bible prophecy predicts that this lamb-like Christian beast that has no crown, that's not a monarchy, that is a republic without a king, the United States of America, will build an image to the world kingdom beast that is emerging at the end of time. The world will not morph to look like the United States. The United States will morph to look like the world. And there will be a unified world order just before Jesus comes back that uses its full energy to destroy the faithful church of God from off of the face of planet Earth. Revelation 13, 16. It causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand of the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Friend, the politics of persecution is based on the relationship of Jesus to his people. Christ put it this way, John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. The the study of eschatology, of end time events, is the study of Jesus' end as the pattern for the end. You see, what happened to Christ is prophetic. What they did to him that brought his crucifixion is a prophetic picture of what they're going to do to the church that will bring the end to the world. In John 5, Christ healed a man on the Sabbath day. He said, take your bed, get up, and go home. In Matthew 12, Jesus fed the hungry on the Sabbath day. In Matthew 12, 13, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And it made the Jewish leaders mad that he would heal on the real Lord's day which is Saturday, the Sabbath. And Christ was crucified in part because of a false idea concerning the Sabbath day. They persecuted Jesus because he chose the Sabbath day as the special day for the healing of the human race. So what was their response? Look at John 5.18. This is why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath as far as they were concerned, but also called God his Father, making himself equal with God. They crucified Christ because he did not conform to their ideas of proper Sabbath keeping. And we know that what happened to him is a foretaste of what will happen at the end. In Revelation 14, 11, the Bible says the worshipers of the beast will reject the right kind of Sabbath rest. Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. Now, what kind of rest? Verse 12 gives us context. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints 
those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, you can look in the Ten Commandments, and Sunday is nowhere mentioned as the day of rest. In fact, in the Middle Ages, they rewrote the Ten Commandments so that the fourth commandment given by God from Mount Sinai would no longer read the way it is there. The Bible is very clear that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. The first day is not the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And so the church of the Council of Laodicea took it upon itself to change the law of God by the authority of the church instead of letting the great God of Sinai, His word, stand for the Christian church. Well, God's word still stands no matter what the church does to it because the word of God is the word of God. And it says here, they have no rest. This Greek word for rest is the word anapausis. It is the constant Greek word in the Old Testament Greek and the New Testament for Sabbath rest. They have rejected the fourth commandment of God. And that's why it says here is a call for the endurance of, saint, of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Christ. The Christian church will enter a crisis in the mark of the beast in which the Sabbath will become an issue of faith in Christ. And if you do not keep the Sabbath as the world defines it, you will be eventually sent to death. Now, it's no accident that right now we are hearing voices in the Christian world in Europe calling the Christian church back to the first day of the week as a unifying force for family values and as a test of what it means to be a Christian. And they are also arguing that this day must be extended to non-Christians. We are living on the eve of the fulfillment of Revelation 13. What they did to Jesus is what they will do to his people. His end is the prophetic pattern for the end. When Christ was crucified, the law of expedience was applied in the politics of persecution to save the Jewish nation. Instead of letting the nation die, it was reason, let him die. Caiaphas, the high priest, was a liberal. He was a Sadducee. The Pharisees were conservatives. And so we see a coalition in the Gospel of John where these two forces came together in John eleven forty seven 47, to kill Christ. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on thus, everyone will believe in him. The Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. Verse 49. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You do not understand that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. And so give up and let him go so that we can hold our nation intact. That same kind of reasoning will be used at the very end to attack the people of God. In Revelation 17, John the Revelator sees a harlot representing a corrupt church system. And he sees her riding the beast, which is the world kingdom at that time, at the very end. And she's drunk with the blood of the saints. Revelation 17, 6. And I saw the woman, this false church system, drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. Friend, when Jesus died, the church and the state united to persecute and kill him. They appealed to Herod and Pilate to take his life. And that's exactly what will happen at the end of time. False Christian believers will appeal to the state to destroy those who are faithful to God's word. What we see right now in the Middle East will come to the United States. It happened in Jesus' day. It happened in the Middle Ages. Bible prophecy teaches it will happen here just before Jesus returns. The politics of persecution will rise one more time 
in the place that gave rise to the freest nation on the face of earth. And the final fight for faith will start on freedom's shore. This past week, our whole nation saw a brave man die on his knees. I mean, it's stunning to picture what he stood for. The video was released of James Wright Foley. He was a photojournalist trying to take pictures that would tell the truth about ISIS and their war of hate. And little did he realize that his personal picture would tell the whole truth in the most special kind of way. He was kidnapped along with others. His grieving father recently told the press that he believes his courageous son James must have volunteered for execution first to save his friend and fellow journalist Stephen Sotloff. And so the evidence is he gave his life. He volunteered so that his friend could live. I'm sure he didn't shrink away from the situation and say, let somebody else go first, his father said. That's not who he was. We believe Jim was a martyr, a martyr for freedom. John, James' father, broke down about the horrible nature of his son's death. He said, they are a stain on the human race, ISIS, a stain on the human race. And he's right. It's just awful, he said. There simply isn't enough being done. It's, if more was done, then Jim would be here right now. We've got to do something about this. He continued. He was so close to everyone in our family. And then he said the last words that he said in that video were, I wish I had more time to spend with my family. James' parents spoke by phone with President Obama before the interview. And they shared their hope that something good and positive would come from the awful tragedy of their loss. James' father is a Christian. He handled this loss with dignity. A sterling example of what it means to have faith in Christ in these days in which we're living. We hope that Jim's death, he said, would bring this country together in a positive way. We're not here to, to focus on the negative, but the positive. His mother, Diane Foley, said, Jim would never want us to hate or be bitter. That's what we shared with President Obama. Friend, hate is not the way. And I hear all kinds of hate on talk radio. Do you hear it? I mean, I hear it from conservatives and I hear it from liberals. It seems to be the way both sides talk. Christ died for the whole human race. And he died for his persecutors too. Am I right? He did. And one of them became the Apostle Paul, who was the greatest missionary of the first century A.D. On the Damascus road, Jesus stopped Saul, who would later become Paul. And he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul stopped doing it that day. And he started following the Lord Jesus Christ instead. He became Paul, the Apostle Paul. We worship a God who, like John Foley, the father of James, he hates hate and he loves peace, who handles persecution with dignity. Our Father, our Father in heaven, gave His Son as the Savior to bleed and die, to give life to those who crucified His Son, to not repay them evil for the evil that they had inflicted, but to give them good in Jesus. Friend, God allows persecution in your life and in the church until the end so Christians can behave well and share the love of Christ in a special kind of way with those who hate in the world. If you're ever called to stand for Christ in this way, it's time to love your enemy, to stand for the principles of truth, to love in the face of hate. And I believe at the very end of time, as Christians stand tall, some of them will influence those who hate the most to be snatched from the fire 
and to learn to love the Lord Jesus. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are being killed all the day long. We, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would give us in this place not just the capacity to die for you, but the consistency based on love to live for you. Father, may our lives be focused on Christ. May our priorities be set right to share the love of Christ. May church not just be a place we come to, but a place we serve we serve you. And Lord, may you never allow hatred of any form to govern a heart in this place that seeks to share the lovely Lord Jesus. We're grateful for the one who handled it so well at the cross who can help us handle any difficulty in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that will conclude the politics of persecution. If you'd like to listen to it again, it's available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. Again, that's reachingyourheart.com and the politics of persecution. We'd love to have you at the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock at 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. And if you forget that, it's available on the website. Thanks for listening. And as always, we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.